0: The following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Excited to look into God's Word today as it is Orphan Sunday. And we're not necessarily going along with our series called Follow Uh, So we won't be in the book of Matthew today, but we will be looking at the heart of Jesus today and things that he says to us, things that he desires for us to echo in our life that are in alignment with his word and how he wants us to follow him. And so while I was wrestling and uh, kind of putting this talk together, I was thinking on this question, which uh, is pretty multifaceted and we could think about it in a lot of different ways. Maybe we'll discuss it in community groups this week or something, but in our world today, What do you think are the things that breaks God's heart? Now, if we're honest, we say those things happen around us, right? Happen in our world around us. And there's a lot of different things that we could list off, different things that we could think of, and it'd be an interesting conversation for us to have. There would be things that we would dialogue about, like uh, maybe uh, racism in our world, or maybe wars in our world, or homelessness in our world, a lot of different things that we could... Talk about. And so, one thing that I will be talking about and sharing with today, and something that maybe we can fast forward or not be aware of as much as we should if we're not careful, is this idea of caring for the fatherless in our community, caring for the orphans in our community. It is Orphan Sunday, and Orphan Sunday is Sunday set aside every November since 2002 by the church. Um, different churches have different services. Thousands of churches are talking about the orphans today, which is cool to think about. This is a global scale. It's not just here in Tacoma, but it's here in Washington. It's here in the United States. It's here across the entire world, highlighting this emphasis that God loves the orphan and desires for us to echo that heart and follow him into caring for the orphans in our community. So I want to start off by just kind of bringing it home a little bit with some statistics that I, I looked up this past week. Um, these, these stats aren't worldwide, these stats aren't for America, but it's just here in our backyard, Candy Ridge Church's backyard right here in Washington State. So the most relevant information I could find was from last year in 2016, and I found that 10,068 children were available for adoption from adoptionuskids.org. 10,068 kids here in Washington. Now that's a lot of kids. I mean, maybe you can justify and think like, well, if you are thinking about all the kids in Washington, maybe that's not a high percentage, but 10,000 kids that don't have parents. 10,000 kids. 10,000 kids who don't have parents and safety and security, hope in the future, security in the future life, not knowing knowing where their next meal may come from, not knowing where they may be staying the next day. Now, the cool part is this. I also found that 7,901 children were placed in adoptive homes. So this could be a foster care situation or leading toward adoption. Praise God for those 8,000 families who opened up their homes to these children to to provide a place for a child that desperately needs it. But many of you were able to do the math there and see that those two numbers don't equal one another. They don't line up. So 2,167 of these children here in Washington State, our backyard, 2,167 of these children are still waiting For adoptive families waiting for a placement, or homeless, do not have parents. I dug a little deeper and worked with Blair a little bit, and and saw that thirteen hundred in Pierce County as of May first, twenty sixteen. Right around here, Pierce County, thirteen hundred children without homes. In a recent article that was in the Tacoma News Tribune, it stated that 417 children uh, couldn't find placement, couldn't find foster care ability here in Pierce County, and so they were actually moved to other counties and even other states, nowhere near their biological parents, nowhere near, orphans far away from home. In this article, the columnist wrote, foster children who stay in Pierce County Often end up being housed on a night-by-night basis, staying in homes that provide little more than a bed or even a hotel room. During the day, the children go to a state office, hanging out in a cubicle while their caseworker is working their job before a more permanent placement is made. No home, no parents, no promise of tomorrow, no idea where they're going to spend their next night or get their next meal. And so as I read this, and my eyes become open to it. I mean, how do those stats hit you? How do those stats hit you? My my question is, what should we do, right? What, What should we do about it? As a church, what is our response to this? Maybe what we should look at is, what does God say about the orphan? It's a good place to start there. And so I know for some of you, this is going to hit home a little bit more than others. Maybe you were raised in foster care, or you went through the foster care system. Maybe you were adopted. Uh, my father was adopted, so I relate to the story um, that way. Or maybe you have opened up your home, and you're, you're a foster parent, or you've adopted a son or daughter, which is, which is awesome. And the flip side of that is maybe you haven't really even thought about this. You haven't really thought outside, and it's not because you don't care. It's maybe just because you're focused on your own family, and you're focused on your own children, and you're focused on your own job and the things that are going on in your life. And so wherever you are at this morning in that perspective, I just want to pray. I want to start in prayer and ask for God to reveal his word to our heart open up our hearts, open up our minds to respond in a way that is applicable uh, to address the situation in our community. So let's go to God in prayer before we look into his word this morning. Lord, I just thank you that you are an amazing, loving father yourself. We thank you that you have shown us grace, compassion by adopting us into your own family. And as we look at this challenge that faces us here, right here in our backyard at Canyon Ridge Church, Today I just ask that you would do something amazing in us, so Holy Spirit, I invite you to move in our hearts, to challenge us, to stretch us, and may we not just be able to sit here and say this is someone else's problem; someone else needs to figure this out. But Lord, that we would wrestle with this, and as we investigate your heart through your Word this morning, we pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. So go ahead and grab your Bible. Uh, We'll flip around a little bit in the Old Testament, a little bit in the New Testament. This isn't uh, so much like other talks that I've given where we're really going to focus down on one verse and break it apart one word at a time, but more or less try to get a survey of of God's hearts toward this subject throughout Scripture. My desire is for us to understand something about God is that he loves and he cares for the fatherless and the orphan. And so let's start by opening up to the, the book of Isaiah, and Isaiah is a prophet, He's probably one of the more famous prophets we have in Scripture. And a prophet is, is someone who would be a mouthpiece for God, who would speak on behalf for God. Back in Isaiah's day, you couldn't just go to Dietmans and pick up some Bibles. They didn't have that. diamonds didn't exist. And so they needed prophets like Isaiah to speak the words of God. So, so God raised up and spoke through Isaiah to God's people. And honestly, the the role of a prophet wasn't that desirable of a position because most of the time you're calling people out on their sin, you're confronting them, you're addressing that they're going down wrong roads that are leading to destruction in their life and you're trying to lead them to God's plan. And so here Isaiah is speaking to the Israelites in chapter one, God's chosen people, and this is what Isaiah says. Watch yourselves, make yourselves clean, Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes cease to do evil learn to do good seek justice correct oppression bring justice to the fatherless plead the widow's cause As we see this I want you to understand here that God has always been concerned for the less fortunate God has always been concerned For the less fortunate, from the beginning of time. It's always been that way. If you're in a community group and you have your community group discussion questions here, you'll you'll look at how God speaks to this over and over and over throughout Scripture. We see that God has this incredible concern for the less fortunate. And in the Old Testament time, like here uh, with Isaiah, in Old Testament time, the the view of family was so important, probably more important than it is now, that as a family, you cared for family. There was this incredible importance of passing on your inheritance, passing down your heritage through your children, especially to your eldest son. But the orphan in that day, much like today, uh, had no heritage had no inheritance. They didn't have the voice. They were vulnerable. They were able to be taken advantage of. There was no security for their future. And so it was obviously a scary time and place to be, not having parents as a young child. And we see this over and over throughout Scripture that God says, no, I care about that person. God cares about all people, and God cares about the orphan. Even to the point that that later in Scripture, uh, when he brought his people out of slavery, out of captivity through Moses, out of Egypt, you may know the story, and Moses led the people through the Red Sea, and Pharaoh and his armies traveled behind, and they escaped, and the waters crashed, and they made it to the wilderness, and they're there. God says, before I bring you to the promised land, before I bring you to this place, first we need to establish this covenant relationship. This, this promise of how I'm going to be as your God and how you're supposed to be my people, what that looks like, how you're supposed to treat one another. And so God meets with Moses on top of this mountain and basically lays out these guidelines for what it is to worship a holy God, but also to live in community with one another. And part of that was making sure that the widow and the orphan and the poor were to be taken care of. He actually set aside rules and guidelines for what this looked like. In fact, if you had a field of a crop of some sort, you're supposed to harvest your crop, but keep the exterior, the perimeter, um, still available for for fruit or, or for whatever, for food, for the poor and for the orphans to provide for themselves. Now, obviously, things have changed throughout the years since Moses' time To today. Society and culture have changed quite a bit. I mean, as the world has become more industrialized, families left their countries, right? We're more dispersed throughout the world. We're more separated. Children are no longer living with their parents as long. At least they shouldn't be. Parents are no longer living with their children as long. Thank you, Jesus. No longer are families all in this one place all together as they were in that time to care for one another. And as things started to change, it became harder to both identify and also care for the orphan. And so what happened was... There was a time where the church really stepped in here to bridge the gap, and the the church is the primary way in which orphans were cared for, but the industrialization continued throughout time and started to develop different societal classes to the point that families kept moving and poverty increased in cities, so much so the church just fell behind. Church fell behind. and couldn't provide for the orphans the way that it needed to and unfortunately the the demand increased so much so that the church kind of gave up kind of backed off and so the government here in the united states the government stepped in to take on that role for caring for the orphan the way the way that orphans were cared for through the church of course were just like we laid out in the Old Testament, is through generous giving, through sacrifice, through honoring God's word and living out practically, responding to it, through, through tithes, through generous giving. Now, through the government, uh, they're not worried about tithes or generous giving. They have this magical way of taxation, uh, which we're not going to be pushing political gender or anything this morning, but the government's not worried about how generous you are. So the government has gotten so involved, so wrapped up in this because the church lost its way. The church took a step back. And so I believe God is saying to the church today, time out, time out. My, my heart is breaking for these children. My heart is breaking for these people. So when will my church respond and rise up to its proper place in this? Let's fast forward And get into the time of Jesus' day in the New Testament. I'll have you flip all the way over to the book of James, chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. And we'll continue to see this thread of God's heart, that God's heart breaks for these children. Here in James, uh, he's been really trying to drive home this point that if you have faith in Jesus, you have to live it out, right? Right? Faith without works is dead. You have to live it out. That if you are a follower of Christ, there should be some physical evidence of that in your life. That people can see the things that you do, not just the words that you say, and both of them come into alignment and point to Jesus. So look what James says here as he writes chapter 1, verse 26. Those who consider themselves religious... And this is kind of an an interesting word here, religious. The word religious isn't really used too much throughout Scripture. In fact, only a couple times here in the New Testament, this is one of them. Because, again, not about religious. Being religious is about following Christ. But the word religion here in James' day was used to quantify and qualify people that followed someone or something who had like beliefs, So those of a cult could be religious. Those who served false gods could be religious. And the true followers of Christ were clarified as religious. So James is saying, if you identify yourself as a follower of Jesus, you think you're religious, and yet you do not keep a tight rein on your tongue, you deceive yourself, and your religion is worthless. So first he said, look, if you can't, even control the words that are coming out of your mouth, the things that, that you're saying, then that's taking away, first of all, who you say you are. But he continues this is what I want to focus on. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faith or, or faultless, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Here, James is going to drop this spiritual bomb on us, like something, he's setting it up. This is important to listen to. James, a a key leader in the early church, was a brother of Jesus who walked and lived with Jesus, fully believing in the life, death, resurrection, the work of Christ, is, is joining with him so that we understand here. And he says this to us, You want to know what true religion looks like. You want to know that the religion that God accepts, this is what it is. Maybe you'd be surprised by this. He says, to look after orphans, to look after orphans. Of all the things that James could have said in that moment of capturing people's attention, I'm going to drop this truth on you. What does it mean to have faith in God? He says, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You can see he understood this truth that we acknowledged is at the heart of of God, that God is concerned for the less fortunate. So here's this reality that we need to embrace and reflect on this morning on Orphan Sunday. James is challenging us to live out our faith in a real and practical way. James challenges this, that God's desire is that my faith, my relationship with him would echo his heart. God's desire is that my faith would echo his heart heart, that I would love the things that God loves, that I would hate the things that God hates, that I would live out this calling and this truth in his word, that if God's heart is for the less fortunate, that it would become part of my heart, that I would echo that in my life as I choose to follow him, that there would be tangible evidence of me living this out in my life. So how is God calling you to embrace that. Because there's a couple different ways. How is God calling you to embrace that? And I'm not saying that everyone is called to be a foster parent or called to adopt. That's definitely a calling. I'm not trying to guilt you into anything. Like we don't have kids lined up. You could take one as you leave this morning. I'm not trying to guilt you into anything. <laughs> you're, you're welcome, Pat. <laughs> you have to be called to do that. God has to call you to that and confirm you to that. Because it's going to be difficult. It's like all callings in our life. There'll be challenges along the way, and you need to be called to it. If that's you this morning, awesome. Praise the Lord for you. But the question for me is: if this is God's heart, if this is what God wants, and we've seen throughout all of Scripture, he comes back to this. Where's your role in this? What is the church's role into this? Because here's the reality. The reality is the church. Must engage. If we are followers of Christ, believers in Scripture, we must engage. We must bridge the gap and care for the fatherless, care for the orphan. I want to invite up some friends of mine, uh, Luther and Blair. Go ahead and mosey on this way. Uh, Luther and Blair are just such awesome people. I've known Luther most of my life and Blair just a little bit less than most of my life. Blur actually works for an organization called Olive Crest, which is very focused on foster care. And I love the, the, the vision. Uh, you know your vision, I'm sure, but I'm going to relay it. Their, their vision is a strong family for every child, which is awesome, which is what we all should want. And they're both foster parents, and they've adopted. And I just invited them up to share a little bit of their story. It's awkward that I'm standing here because, oh, there's a stool. Sweet. It's not as awkward. Uh, Just invited them up to share a little bit of their story and just also share some practical ways for us as the church and the body of Christ to get more invested in this. So first of all, and now I'm standing in your light, sitting in your light, (laughs) just looking to the bright lights, Uh, just have you guys start with sharing your story and how God brought you to that place and wanting to do foster care.
1: Guys, I hate talking in front of people. so And I am the talker, so I'm going to try and remember to let Luther talk as well, because sometimes I get going and I don't stop. Um, so our our story, I don't know if I could pinpoint a spot where it really began. I think it's something that sort of, at least in my heart, has sort of been growing, even as I was as a child. Um, and about, f- oh gosh, 10 years ago, I was in grad school. And I interned for a, a foster care program at that time, like i knew I knew nothing about foster care, and I really got a crash course um in what was happening in my own backyard at the time kids that were bouncing around from homes to homes um kids at you know sixteen years old who had been um and multiple times living on the street, one had been in twenty five homes by the time that she was sixteen and So that was sort of eye-opening for me. Luther and I had just gotten married. Who knew, you know, like what was going to happen? And then fast forward a few years, I ended up at Youth for Christ, which is now Olive Crest, working for their foster care program. And Luther could probably attest to this, (laughs) that there were days where I'd come home probably just like in tears or like not wanting to talk because I was so overwhelmed emotionally that there were kids that like we literally could spend days trying to find a placement for and and we couldn't it's I mean it's still happening now for the past two weeks at our office we've tried to find a home for a 12 month old girl literally talked to 10 families and nobody can take her and so she's bouncing around like spending one night in one home and bouncing and there I think I was more on board <laughs> at first um and finally just one day came home and was like We've got to do something about this, like we have we have this home, we have two open bedrooms we've we've started about we've talked about starting a family, and I really feel like whether it's gonna be permanent or not, but I think that that God is asking us to invite these kids into our family um and so about four years ago, we became licensed foster parents, and since then, am I talking too much <laughs> and since then. Um, we've had five placements in our home, and we've adopted two. Our was our picture. I saw our picture. Okay, so our our little one um, we adopted about a year and a half ago. He's three, and then our oldest we just adopted about a month ago, and he will be 17 in a few months. So when you think about kids that are needing homes, I'm here. To, it's not just it's not just little kids. I mean, it's kids zero zero to 18. We. Brought Aiden in with us when he was fifteen years old.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Told you he's not
1: going to have anything to say.
0: (laughs) He lets his guitar do the talking for him.
1: There we go. I'm the talker.
0: (laughs) Here's a loaded question: Have there been any challenges? Uh,
1: Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I, you know, I think it's important to share to share that, and Luther could. I'll let him speak at some point. Um, It's not easy. And I think that when the Lord, at least maybe I was naive in my faith at one point, like feeling like if the Lord called you to something, like it's going to be easy, and it it's not. I've spent I don't know how many nights in the ER with with sick kids and not knowing what's going on, um, hour long tantrums, doors slamming, furniture getting broken. I mean, this is it's real. But I think it's real because when the when you invite pain and suffering into your home you're taking that on like you're taking the burden for the kids and for the families. but I really think that that's what the picture of the gospel is like Jesus died on the cross and bared that burden for us and his his call to us then is to to bear that burden for these kids and for their families yep <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give him this and have an answer okay Jeff. all right <laughs> cool. uh-huh.
0: So, what um, successes or blessings have you received through this? Or how has God revealed certain things uh, to your life and to your faith through this process?
1: Um, I mean, just like I remember when we said yes to taking Titan, this baby. Um, I I never could have. This is why I don't talk. <laughs> um, I could never have predicted
0: how much he would have blessed me for just saying yes one night.
1: Um, And I think, oh gosh, I mean, I could probably talk, I could talk for hours, Um, could talk for hours. (laughs) I'm not gonna talk for hours. Could talk for hours about what the Lord has just revealed about himself and his character and his love for us through this experience. We had a little one with us for, on two different occasions, and I'm not going to share his name because legally I can't, but you know him. Um, And he, I mean, he accepted the Lord when he was in our home and he wasn't in our home permanently and he, he moved on. But just the fact that we were there to be able to like lead him in that. Um, And then our oldest, who I asked permission to share his story because I want to be respectful of him and where he's, he's come from. But um, he has been in and out of the foster care system since he was six years old and was already adopted once through the foster care system and adopted into a really bad situation with a mother who then was physically abusive and emotionally abusive and um, professed to be a Christian and forced him to go to church every Sunday and then would turn around and be, be abusive. And so for him, this view of who Jesus was is completely distorted. And to know that, like, we know he doesn't share our same faith right now, but over the past two years, and now for the rest of our lives, because we've made that, that commitment to him, is we get to be Jesus to him. We know that when he's slamming doors or cussing us out, which has happened, (laughs) that when he, when he can come down and we can say, look, we still love you. Like, we love you. That's not going away. That's, That's Jesus to him. And then it's also a reminder to me that how many times has the Lord asked me to do something or I've been mad at him and I've slammed the door, probably physically (laughs) at times, like feeling like I can shut myself out from the world and what he's asked me to do. Um, But that he still, when I come down from that, he still is there telling me, I love you and I'm here for you.
0: Yeah, it's such a beautiful image. makes me think throughout scripture, being adopted into God's family. I mean... That's a difficult process sometimes for us, and we maybe wouldn't admit it at church, but probably we cuss out God sometimes too, and turn our back. to that. <laughs> turn our backs on him, but just that never-ending love and like the love that you guys have for them is encouraging. Last question, maybe this is more for for you, Blair, because it's your expertise and you do this Monday through Friday, well, Monday through Sunday, let's be honest, right? Uh, How can the church help and get involved and what are some practical maybe next steps that we could take or resources that we could find?
1: Absolutely. Um, I'm going to echo what Trevor said in that foster care and adoption is a calling. And so while I believe that there are people out there that are called to this that aren't doing it yet, I also believe that it's not for everybody. So my first encouragement would be if you felt calling in your life or the lord sort of tugging on your heart it's scary but just be what like take one step at a time come up and talk to us um, and i'd be willing um, to have that conversation with you also which hopefully is foster care and adoption is really hard and it doesn't like just change like the moment that you adopt a child or bring them into your home like it doesn't get easier in fact a lot of times it gets harder Um, and so i think as a church as a whole. If we know people in our lives or in our congregation that are doing this work, we really should wrap around them and support them in what they're doing. And I think that's how you can get involved. And it could be things, um, prayer, obviously, um, but things like providing meals, providing childcare, um, yard work. Anybody want to come weed my yard? Because I guarantee, like I've not had time, you know, to do that. Or there's been days set aside where we think that's what we're going to get to, and then we have a two hour meltdown and there goes the rest of our day. Um, And so I think that those are some really practical ways to get involved. And it doesn't have to be just us. I know we're going to hear from another one of the families in our church um, that does this work. And maybe, you know, people in your community, if you're in schools or in your place of employment, if you know people that do this, wrap around them. But don't wait for them to ask for help. That is what I will caution is because people who help people don't usually ask for help from other people. And so if you, if you see them, just offer to do it. Take them a meal. Tell them you're going to come over for a night and watch their children. Um, find ways to do it just to bless them and to support them.
0: Cool. And Nick, I think we have a slide too um, from Olive Crest shows. I don't know if that's hard to read from out there. But some practical things.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's things that says child care, prayer, yard work. Um, If you know somebody that's going through like fostering um, and they have to go sit at at court, sometimes just being there to sit next to them when they're going through the court process can be really helpful. Um, I can't read the rest of that slide from back here. But (laughs) maybe we also, uh, I have some handouts with that on it if you guys are interested in wanting to find more ways to be involved.
0: Cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing this morning and for being vulnerable in front of us. That's it's awesome. We love you guys so much. And uh, blessings upon you. And just so encouraged by, by both of you and what you guys are doing. So keep it up. Thank you. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you so much. There's, uh, something else that I, that I read um, this week something like 5,400 churches in Washington State, which is such a large number compared to the children that are still looking for adoptive homes and adoptive families, and just one family was called from each church, we'd have an abundance of homes available for, for kids in our backyard. So as you, as you hear that this morning, I don't know what, what God is, is speaking to your heart right now um, but for me, the, the more that I, I read scripture and the more that I pray, the more that my eyes are opened to this. I think sometimes we could go be so focused on what's in front of us. And it takes something like this for God to to raise our eyes to broaden our perspective to what He wants to do in us and through us. So as we close this morning, I just challenge you to continue to wrestle this, wrestle with this for yourself and pray for where God is leading you to support other um, family or, or in a different capacity. I just want to close in prayer this morning, um, prayer for people like the lessers, um, prayer for people in our community, prayer for these children, and prayer for ourselves as well. So please join me. Father, we, we come before you this morning and acknowledge again, Lord, the love that you've shared with us, that you've adopted us. And we know that, we put our faith in Jesus and acknowledge the need for a Savior. You, you bring us into your family and I thank you for that love first and foremost. I thank you for your word that speaks truth. Father, your word that speaks to our hearts. And I thank you for your concern and your compassion for the fatherless. And I just pray that you use us as a church, that you use us, that you lead us and guide us, that you would help us to understand what it is that you have for each of us in this area to echo your heart in caring for those that can't care for themselves. And so we, we pray a blessing, we pray for strength, we pray for endurance to all of our foster parents and adoptive parents, the lessers, and, and more represented in our community this morning in our church this morning. God, we just thank you for that calling in their life. God, and I just pray that you continue to, to bless that. We, we know it's not easy. Things that you call us to are not often easy, Lord, but we just pray that you provide strength and endurance and encouragement to each of them, Lord. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.